how are you doing today? Today we're going to get into some things. I said what I said, you gotta stand on it. And we're getting right into it, no delay, no updates. I do wanna say that we're gonna be reading from the book of Leviticus first, just to give context of what we're gonna talk about later on. So oddly enough though, I sat out and told myself that, well, God told me, I didn't tell myself. I needed to read my Bible and get into my Bible and start reading it on the daily. And I really made this goal to read my Bible from cover to cover. Now, I don't know how long it's going to take me, girl, but but <laughs> we're going to do it and we're going to be glad. Now, I'm so proud of myself because I made it to the book of Leviticus. And this is why I'm so proud because along with God, it just opened me up for this podcast episode. So because I'm at the book of Leviticus, and if you don't know much about the Bible, which is totally okay, because I was the same way like a year ago, Leviticus is the book of the Bible that basically tells the law of the Old Testament. And now that I see like the Bible jokes on TikTok, like I really get it, sis. I could cackle with the Bible study, friends. Basically, there are two covenants in the Bible, right? We got the Old Testament, we got the New Testament. Leviticus was the laws in the time before Jesus came and graced us with his presence on earth. So before the whole Easter, and we celebrate Easter to what we know it, before he got crucified on the cross, before he was even born, before there was a Mary and a Joseph sis, there was Leviticus. And let's just say, when I was reading this book, y'all, of these laws and we're going to get into the law in a second but I was like this is crazy it's giving eye for an eye like Hammurabi's code almost almost I was like god this is this this was a hard book for me to get through and I'm actually not even through the entire book of Leviticus yet I'm almost there but when I got to this chapter so we're reading from chapter 15 and it's titled bodily discharges. Like even when I say bodily discharges, like I just I just cringe because I hate bodily fluids discharge. Like I don't even like the word discharge. Uh, anyway, so chapter fifteen, Leviticus, bodily discharges, and I'm holding my Bible because the text is a little small, girl. We are reading from verse nineteen just to give context on what the law was for the lady with the issue of blood. Now, the crazy thing is, though, when I was taught the lady of the issue with blood earlier and many times before, no one like said to me that it's because she had her period. I, I don't I don't know if it was just me, but <laughs> basically she had her period for 12 years and that was the issue of blood. In my mind, I just thought she was bleeding. Like, how come they never said she was ministrating at church? Like, is the word ministration not good? I'm not even sure. Starting off at verse 19, it says, this is the law. When a woman has a discharge and it consists of a blood from her of blood from her body, she will be unclean because of her ministration for seven days. Everyone who touches her will become unclean until the evening. Anything she lies on during her ministration will become unclean and anything she sits on will become unclean. Everyone who touches her bed is to wash his clothes and to bathe with water, and he will remain unclean until the evening. Verse 22 goes on to say, 
everyone who touches any furniture she was sitting on is to wash his hands and bathe with water and he will remain unclean until the evening. If discharge is on the bed or the furniture she is sitting on when he touches it, it will be unclean until the evening. If a man sleeps with her and the blood from her ministration gets on him, he will be unclean for seven days and every bed he lies on will become unclean. When a woman has a discharge of her blood for many days, though it is not the time of her ministration or she has a discharge beyond her period, she will be unclean for all the days of the unclean discharge as she is during the days of her ministration. Y'all, oof, honey. So let's talk about the lady with the issue of blood after I just read that law. Like, let that just sit for a second. Just let it sit for a second. Okay, let's get into it. You are listening to Faithfully Feminine Radio. This is going to be very important for us because as a woman, I feel like, and I've talked about before, that people and men and just people in general like to use religion as some sort of, I don't want to say weapon, but some people may try to weaponize religion and weaponize the Bible and weaponize certain laws to play on you and I or all of our ignorance when it comes to certain things. And so to protect yourself against that, it is very imperative that you continue to learn not only about the Bible, but with your walk of faith to learn whatever it is you want to learn to become the best version of yourself. So that's what I really want you to take away from this. I wanted to read that because I've heard the story with the lady with the blood illness, but I never understood where exactly, like, wh- why? Why did cis have to do what cis had to do? And from reading the Old Testament laws, it makes more sense as to why she had to do what she had to do. Now we are going to turn to the New Testament of the lady with the issue of blood and Luke 8. It says a girl is restored and a woman is healed. And although we might have heard this story before, bear with me because I'm coming from an entirely different angle. I'm going to read out the story to you all and I'm going to go over what we can learn from this woman. It says, verse 40, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him and they were all expecting him. Then just a man named Jairus came. He was the leader of a synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet and pleaded with him to come to his house because he had his only daughter about 12 years old and she was dying. While he was going, the crowds were nearly crushing him. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years who had spent all she had on the doctors and yet could not be healed by any approached from behind and touched the end of his robe. Instantly, her blood stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are hemming you in and processing against you. Jesus replied, Someone touch me, said Jesus. I know the power has gone out from me. 
When the woman saw what that she discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him. In the presence of all the people, she declared the reason she had touched him, and she was instantly healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now we're going to stop right. This is how I imagine it. Jesus is the man of the hour. This man is walking through the crowds, okay? Feeling like the man when he walked through. The crowds are rustling and bustling. And it's no coincidence, right? It's never any coincidence. I don't care how many times I've been to church. No one has really talked about this, but the lady has been bleeding for 12 years. Jairus, the synagogue leader, his daughter is dying and she's also 12 years old. Jesus is also traveling with all 12 of his disciples. So we see this repeat of this number. The book the book makes an a point to point out that the lady has been bleeding for 12 years. So I just read to you all the laws in Leviticus. Because this lady has been bleeding for 12 years, she has been seen as unclean. She has been living in seclusion and she has to go around saying that she's unclean, unclean. No one is able to touch her per the laws of the Old Testament because we're still under the new, we're still under the old covenant. Jesus has not yet been crucified on the cross. So for this lady to have the audacity to go through the crowd, right? She's breaking the law at this point because she's, she's going through the crowd, sis. She needs to get to Jesus by any means necessary. And this is takeaway number one. In order to get to where you need to go as a woman or as a person listening to this podcast, you need to be audacious. And I've talked about this before on my TikTok, but this lady was audacious. She had the audacity. Why? Because she knew what she needed to do to get to where she wanted to go. You have to be audacious. Number two, you have to be brave. It was very brave of her to break the law of the Old Testament, which was pretty gruesome. Like they didn't have no judge, jury, and executioner, okay? It was it was given eye for an eye, chop off their hand if they want to steal type um, Hammurabi's code type law. So she had to be brave to do this. Number three, she had to have courage. And number four, she had to not care about anyone's opinion. We're going to sit right there for a second. Yes, we talk about bravery and being courageous, but there comes a point in your life where you're going to have to move accordingly and not care about what people think about you. Because trust me, people are always, will always, and have always had opinions on any and everything. And so... If you want to be the best lawyer, if you want to be the best, I don't know, speed walker, if you want to be the best TikToker, you're going to have to not care what people think about you. And those people can include your friends, your family, your spouses, people you don't know, people who you're very close to. And they might look at you crazy. They might not support you. They might not agree with what you're doing. But you have to stay true to yourself and to the vision that you received and to the vision vision that God gave you. That is exactly what this woman did. She didn't care about anyone's opinion. And this moment she was desperate. She didn't care. I need to get to Jesus. 
And number, the next thing we're going to talk about with her that she shows in this is a lack of fear. This woman who has been bleeding, she's on her period for 12 years, did not have fear. She was not fearful of what might happen to her when other people sees that she's broke the law, when other people have touched her and that has made them unclean according to the law. She does not fear that. See, when fear is present, there are things that you are not going to be able to accomplish in your life. Out of fear, you won't do certain things in your life. I don't care how small or how grand it is. Whenever fear is present, you won't be able to accomplish things. Fear is also not a spirit from God. Fear is a spirit from Satan himself. God did not create you to be fearful. It's rooted oftentimes in something. So when I get these messages from you all, I was very afraid to establish boundaries because I'm afraid to lose my boyfriend. There's something to take away from this woman. You got to be audacious. You got to be brave. You got to be courageous. You have to not be fearful. And oftentimes you can look at fear and trace it back to its origin. Why am I feeling like this? So think about anything that you're fearful of in your life right now that's hindering you from becoming the best version of yourself or hindering you from performing something that is a goal of yours and trace it back. If you ever fear and become fearful when it comes to things like working on yourself, that very much will be and can be the devil preventing you or trying to prevent you because put it like this if the lady acted out in fear and was too fearful to go down to the crowded area too fearful to break the law too fearful to leap out and touch jesus's robe she could have been bleeding for the rest of her life we don't know she's already been bleeding for 12 years and let's let's have it right She's been ministrating for 12 years, which means she can't not she cannot have children for 12 years. And if she can't have children, then her bloodline stops. Who's to say her child is to not make the next invention that we might need? Who's to say her child wasn't someone who opened doors for others? Her acting out and being courageous did not only benefit her, but it also affected other people we don't know but because she was not fearful she was able to not only be healed but she was able to come back into society now I'm going to continue reading the story so Jesus just told her to go in peace after she was healed verse 49 says while he was speak still speaking someone came from the synagogue's leader house and said your daughter is dead don't bother the teacher anymore when Jesus heard it, he answered him, Do not be afraid, only believe and she will be saved. After he came from the house, he let no one enter with him except Peter, John, James, and the child's father and mother. Everyone was crying and mourning for her. He said, Stop crying because she is not dead but asleep. They laughed at him because they knew she was dead. So he took her by the hand and called up, Child, get up. 
her spirit returned and she got up at once then he gave orders that she be given something to eat her parents were astounded but he instructed them to tell no one of what had happened now this is a shift from the earlier in the story right the woman who was very courageous and brave and had to stand on what she said not only did she touch jesus and break the law she stood on it okay like when jesus was like wait a second who touched me she was afraid kind of like i'm i'm gonna come i'm gonna come correct and i'm gonna say i did it i'm gonna stand on my actions because i did it and when she fessed up and said i did it he told her to go in peace. Her faith has saved her. Now, in this second part of the story is a flip. The synagogue's leader, they already know the child, the daughter of 12 years old, to be dead. They already know she's dead. So when they come to Jesus and they're like, don't even bother him no more. <laughs> the girl's dead. Jesus tells them not to be afraid. They already lacked faith and they lacked faith because of what they saw. And this is another thing that we can learn from this story is that sometimes whatever you see might be ingrained in you every day. Oftentimes our minds are shaped by society. We are taught things and we know when somebody's dead, they're dead. There's no coming back. That's all that they know. They don't know for somebody to be dead and all of a sudden wake up again. So in their mental capacity, it was impossible. There's no way he can help now because she's already gone. It's too late. And I know reading this story, if someone's like, those, you know, those overly religious people, like, oh my goodness, how dare they doubt Jesus? Like, how dare they doubt him? But I feel like reading this story, I kind of do this. I don't want to say every day to my mental capacity. Sometimes if something has already passed, it's like, mm, this is not really possible for me to accomplish this. Maybe I'm thinking too small on a scale. It's not possible for me to be on the cover of Vogue because I'm a size 12. How was it possible when I haven't seen models walk the runway of a Chanel fashion show that are bigger than a size 6, right? So we come to these understandings that are shaped by society for us to not even allow certain goals or certain accomplishments enter our headspace because we don't think it's possible. It might not be a child's dying but you can still apply the same sediment to your life. You and I do not know everything and our minds have been shaped, but God knows everything. Jesus knows what he is capable of doing. So her being dead is not phasing him. And quite frankly, part of me, because it's open up to our interpretation, he could have waited till she was dead because making a bigger imprint of, okay, you know, if she wasn't really dead, I could easily just put my hands on her and heal her and, and they would know that, that that was easy. But to break the people down to the point where they don't even think it's possible and then to show up after the fact, like, girl, get up, and them to see it, that leaves a longer impression to them and their faith and their belief in what Jesus can do 
or has done. And shift gears here and go to Bishop T.D. Jakes' book, When Women Pray. I absolutely love this book. It is on my Amazon storefront. And if you have the time, I suggest you really read this book. Each chapter goes into each woman and there is actually a chapter on the lady of the issue of blood. I'm going to read an excerpt from the chapter. So in the T.D. Jakes book, this is the paragraph from the chapter that kind of wraps it up about this story. And it says, just like this with the issue, with the woman with the issue of blood, do not stop reaching until you've grabbed hold of God. Do not stop stretching until you touch your savior. He is waiting for you. He's hesitating in that crowd, slowing down right in front of you. Don't stop praying until you hear his voice because you know what he will say when he looks down and sees tears streaking down your face. Daughter, your faith has healed you. That's what happens when women pray. They find victory over the issues of life. So for this chapter, T.D. Jakes, um, so basically every chapter in the book goes to talk about a woman and what happens when she prays. Basically, that's why the book says what happens when women pray. And for this chapter in specific, I just wrapped it up for you. It says that they find victory over the issues of life, just like the lady with an issue of blood did. However, I would go to extend that we also can find victories over the issues of like life, not just our own lives, but issues that very much well can affect other people in our bloodline and our family and people around us. Uh, so just from that, what I gather from the story, in addition to what T.D. Jake said, was that being audacious, being brave, being courageous, being the best version of yourself, being humble because she did have to be humble and being fearless not fearful will push you to be this woman that is not afraid to stand in it and own whatever you need to own and so that is what I wanted to talk about today that was just on my heart I was up till 1am reading that story and God told me that I needed to make a podcast about this story, but I definitely didn't want to talk about it the way I've always heard it. I've heard the story numerous amounts of times, but when I also read the back part of the laws, it really put in perspective the entire story and how important it was for the woman to touch Jesus, how she desperately needed to touch Jesus. And even with something so small in my life, like for an example, for me, it was starting this podcast or starting my YouTube channel. It was not something that I intentionally wanted to talk about femininity and everything in between, right? Originally, I started it to talk about hair, but as I developed this platform, for women and to create a safe space for women I didn't really care about what other people thought about it I had to just go out on a whim and just do it and I had to stand in it and so when people disagree when I get negative comments when I get negative feedback when I whatever someone is very upset about with the things that I say I know for a fact that what I'm doing is positive I know for a fact that what I'm doing is coming from a good place and because of that I can stand 
solely in it and not be afraid and be courageous. So that is really what I want to leave that with you is to just stand in it, sis. Whatever it is, me talking about this story and whatever just comes to your mind like that is whatever that you need to stand in. And don't let fear be the driver of it. And I'm going to see y'all.